Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Time now to take a look at headlines coming out from our own region. That's right. From what to expect from Malaysia's Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's first budget speech this Friday to the European Union imposing new sanctions on military ruled Myanmar. So mm. let's hear from our expert now, Dr. Felix Tan, political observer at Nanyang Technological University, is joining us on the phone. Dr. Felix. Hi, good afternoon. Yes. We've got an interesting one to talk about. <laughs> uh, Malaysian police investigating this incident where the Party Islam see Malaysia's youth wing members in Tringano stage a march. And they had fake swords, spears, shields. Gosh, uh, were they staging a reenactment of Troy or was there a point to this? <laughs> I think this has been a rather strange incident though. I think no one kind of expected uh, this march. But, you know, it, coinc- it coincided with the start of the two-day past youth gathering. And I think that the past youth wing has since distanced itself from the kerfuffle and say that, you know, it's just another cosplay perhaps by, you know, its members and, and whatever it is. So I think... It, uh, but there has been such incidents and more provocative incidents as well. I mean, we have seen many, many years ago when Amno chief, you know, youth chief then Hishamuddin Hussein actually gave his infamous Chris Chris wielding speech, you know, when he wheeled out his his sword in parliament and uh, in the general assembly. And and I think, you know, this sort of thing just is sort of a gesture, you know, Mm -hmm. that comes to symbolize, you know, the way that politics has become in Malaysia. And that is a very right-wing sort of politics that we are seeing. Doctor, but in, in a multicultural world, though, something like this, I mean, I'm looking at uh, the pictures right now, and they do look like they're very fake. So are people overreacting? I mean, uh, the swords and the shield, that is, and the costume. Are people overreacting to this? I think perhaps, you know, uh, this this is one story that might have been taken a little step too far. I think uh, there might be a, a certain amount of uh, overreaction over there. But I think, you know, despite that, I think there is some worry as well. I think it is, is undeniable that there is a rise of past in Malaysia. And, you know, as scary as it might sound, you know, since like what you had mentioned, a secular state or, well, that's what we hope, you know, this sort of uh, rising tide of Islamism in Malaysia seems to be coming to the fore. Now, PAS has also increased its numbers of seats in Parliament, I think, we have, uh, since yeah. the last election. And I think, you know, one can see the support for the Islamist party is... Uh, is growing as we speak. And um, I think even in the traditionally uh, held regions or states like uh, under Barisan National in the past. So I think they have been controlling more seats and uh, its spread is rather ominous, one can say. I know, but, you know, the situation in Malaysia is once you conflate race and religion, and this is the kind of situation that you will probably get where, you know, things can, can get out of hand. Mm. Dr. Felix, um, sticking with Malaysia, we've got the uh, Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's first budget that will be announced this Friday. What uh, should we watch out for? Mm. I think this will be, you know, uh, Anwar Ibrahim's. I think this, this is and will be, you know, Anwar Ibrahim's uh, maiden budget as Prime Minister yeah. and Finance Minister. And I think in some ways there are a lot of expectations, you know. And, um, you know, after all, uh, this could determine his government's approval rating for the rest of the year as well. So I think it's something to look out for. I think already prior to the election, the previous administration had sort of planned out for a, a much smaller budget. So I think what Anwar will actually look out for this, first and foremost, the cost of living will be the top priority. Yeah. And he has championed this 
since you know taking office. So there's more likely that there will be you know some tweaks to the budget, and more will be given out to help Malaysians as well as businesses. And uh, how that will all pan out eventually will have to be debated in Parliament as well. Uh, secondly, I think there was also the issue of parliamentary reforms and how much would that happen in this uh, budget speech as well. So how much they would put, you know, in creating new policies, practices for scrutiny of, of the you know, cabinet members as well. All right, let's move on, uh, Doctor, to Thailand. Um, an election coming up very soon there, of course, and a return possibly of uh, the Sinawat clan once again oh, with uh, Taksin Sinawat's daughter, Pei Tong Tam, a frontrunner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Pei Tong Tan Shinawat has this sort of a star power in so much so that she is the daughter of Taksin. Um, but besides that, her only popularity really lies in a very small sector of Thai society, and that is mainly in the northern region mm-hmm. or even the northeastern region, the Isan region of Thailand. Now, Bangkokians, <laughs> if you want to call them that, uh, are very unlikely to vote for her or even the Per Thai party that she represents or she's running in. I think she needs to move away from this nostalgia, you know, that is plaguing her family and the occasional <laughs> drumming up of sentiments and playing that victim like, oh, you know, the whole Shinawat family has been a target of party politics or, you know, in, in Bangkok and so on and so forth. I think uh, the odds are against her, especially when she has a rather short runway to establish herself in mm. high political society. So I think the only way she can gain support is as you can tell, the, the, the party, Pertai, and mm. as well to her father. So, but, you know, this sort of dynastic politics are not unique in Thailand, you know, the vast majority of Asian countries do have that. Just delving deeper a little bit into this mm. one, uh, the, the Sinawat clan, or at least the Pertai party, has always banked on their support from the north and the northeast, and we've mm. seen Taksin's brother-in-law, <laughs> seen his sister, now his daughter. They're banking on this one. Uh, can they still rely on the support to carry the, the party over? I think at this point, definitely. I think they have very strong support in, the, in, in, the, in, in that region, in the north and northeastern part of it. Uh, Taksin Shinawat, as much as he is you know, a multi-millionaire within Thailand itself, has, has the charisma and the personality, at least the clan itself, you know, allows the people to give them the sort of support because they speak on their behalf as well. They speak on behalf of the people up in the north. And uh, they, they grew up from the north as well in Chiang Mai region. So the thing is that, you know, for the north and the northeastern group of people, they believe that this is their people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Saxon family is part of the bigger family. Mm-hmm. What's the play for uh, Mr. Pryor Chanocha here? Mm, that's a good question. I think, you know, Pryor Chanocha has, uh, you know, recently joined this new party, the Ram Thai Sang Chat Party of the United Thai Nation. Mm. I think, you know, it, it's about uh, the, the splitting up of the previous party that he was in because of some disagreement. Uh, and some of the members have shifted allegiance, joined other political parties. And so there's a spread of all the former so-called allies and allegiances. So what we can see right now, right, is that what it will mean is that Prajut has now an array of political parties that you can choose from to form coalitions if these parties win the next election. And in fact, the latter might be, you know, that sort of scenario might happen and then end up strengthening Prajut's position in Thai politics uh, because of that sort of closeness, that possible alliances and allegiance that will form with all these various parties that are rather pro-military, perhaps pro, you know, uh, pro-youth as well. Mm. So uh, in, in that sense, you would have more smaller political parties, but pro-youth. Mm.
The uh, EU is uh, imposing new sanctions on Myanmar, Doctor. Do you think uh, there will be any help uh, with this sanctions as to uh, Myanmar's situation right now in the world? Mm, I think the, the, the European Union has kind of shifted its, you know, the, the, the policy of sanctions into this so-called smart sanction. Uh, and they have imposed very targeted sanctions, such as, you know, freezing of assets, imposing travel bans on, I think, at least um, 16 individuals and entities, you know, in Myanmar. And I think uh, that some of them are energy ministers and high-ranking officers as well. But I think, you know, such sanctions are going to be rather ineffective when uh, there are always ways of working around, you know, the situation. And we have to understand that, you know, Myanmar has been isolated for many years, even prior to democratization efforts in 2010. And I, I think they have uh, they have worked around it, and uh, Myanmar continues to have support as well from some neighboring countries and uh, also other individuals. So these individuals kind of support uh, the military junta in other different ways. And there are always these this little nooks and crannies that they can work around. Mm. There's also the Jokowi factor where mm. you consider ASEAN's involvement as well, right? I think definitely, I think, you know, uh, the Jokowi factor, I mean, the best that we can hope for is a scenario where the situation in Myanmar can be resolved. I think one can only hope that Indonesia will be able to do that. But honestly speaking, I think Myanmar is almost a lost cause. And attempting to resolve the Myanmar issue without engaging the Myanmar junta is likely lead to nowhere. Uh, after all, they are again facing, they, they want the legitimacy, they want the recognition, but yet ASEAN doesn't want to give them that. Yeah. And you've got to bear in mind that Myanmar has been rather isolated for many, many years. So, you know, and also there are very little desire for anyone to get involved in, with, mm. with ASEAN. Mm. Um, so I think, uh, you know, how Jokowi is going to manage all these expectations you know, and as well as the international community, I think it leaves a lot to be seen for the rest of the year. Mm, politically, you might have to lose to win. We shall see. <laughs> Been speaking with Dr. Felix Tan, political observer for Nanyang Technological University. Dr. Felix, as always, a pleasure. Take care and have a great Wednesday evening. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.